So for those of you that have not been with us, we finished up a series last week on uh, family and family relationships. And tonight I want to uh, kind of shift gears a little bit, and I want to touch on an issue, uh, you know, just that I think, I, I know, it's an issue that affects everyone, something that affects every, every single person to some degree or another, some more than others, I suppose. I want to share some things tonight, in fact, that I, I really believe with all my heart could, in fact, actually change your life. How's that for a lead-in, huh? Could change your life. Let's, uh, let's pray again, and then we'll get into it. Lord, open your word to us tonight that it would uh, water our hearts and souls and that it would cause us to grow into the people that you've called us to be and that you, in fact, would continue by your Holy Spirit to transform our lives to be more and more like your Son each and every day. Amen. I'm going to put it up on the board, but if you want to read along, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read verses uh, 22 to 34, a little section just about the middle of a long chapter. And as you will see, our, uh, our topic tonight is worry. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. I, I want to take, let's just pause for a moment, time out, stop right there for a minute. And uh, something that John Wimber used to say quite often is that whenever there's a therefore, you want to know what it's there for. And there's a therefore. So the therefore means that what Jesus is about to say is connected to what he has previously said. And in this chapter, and like I said, I'd encourage you to read it all the way through later. It's a pretty long chapter. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and teaching them how to become uh, authentic kingdom people. Um, or what my friend uh, Todd Hunter used to call being real spiritual people. That's not like really spiritual people, but real as in authentic, genuine, real spiritual people. Some of you may have at you know, some point in your life encountered a person who sort of has an air of spirituality about them, and they, they, they kind of know the lingo, and they talk the talk. Um, but it's not real sincere, and, and, and the way that you can tell it's, it's not real sincere sometimes is that sometimes when things get tough, when the heat kind of gets turned up a little bit, oftentimes uh, that person will sort of fold, you know what I mean? Um, so they're sort of spiritual, but maybe not authentic or real in their spirituality. On the other hand, I suppose there are those people that we encounter in the course of life sometimes that are very real. You've, you've ever met just that super, you know, down-to-earth, very real, call-them-as-they-seem kind of person. But if that person doesn't have any spirituality in their life, the truth is what they really are is hopeless. Because if they're dealing with the real world and they're looking at things the way they are, but they don't know who God is and they don't have any sense of spirituality, they, they really end up being hopeless. So what Jesus is talking to his disciples about, and the thing that I think is in his heart not only in, in this passage, but in so many passages, is to be real, to be authentic and genuine spiritual people. And, and that's really his focus and what he's sharing with here. So now we'll go back to the text. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. 
And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This to me is a, uh, a message that really is both timely and eternal. A- a- and it's, it's eternal in the sense that I think it really does have application to everyone uh, that ever w- walked on this planet. I mean, Jesus was speaking to his disciples that day for a reason. There must have been things that maybe they were worried about, concerned about in their lives. And I think all of us, if we're honest, will, will admit that there's times in our lives when um, we worry about things. And probably everybody from then to now and everybody in between has, has worried as well. You know, it's, a, it's an eternal message, but really, it's, it's a very timely message as well. I mean, we live today in, a, in, a, in an age, a time, and, and maybe it's cultural to some measure. I, you know, I don't know all the nuance of it, but uh, there, there's a lot of worry out there. We, some people, I, you know, refer to this as the age of anxiety, the age of anxiety. Uh, here's um, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. How many of you even knew there was an Anxiety and Depression Association of America? As I thought. They tell us that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults in the United States age 18 and over. That's 18% of the population. Um, you know, statistics are what they are, and, you know, they're all over the map. I did a little research and looked around, and I, I, I found one that said that same number, 18%. Four years ago, 2008, which you might remember was the year that our economy kind of took a little bit of a dive. Prior to 2008, that number was 13%. So in the last four years, it's gone up 5%. 5% more people in the last four years are suffering from anxiety disorders in, in our country. Uh, man, as staggering as that is, I think about, and I don't know the numbers, but I, just anecdotally, I know this, that in the last decade since 9-11, Anxiety and worry in our country has skyrocketed. There, there is no way that prior to that event that the, the people of this nation, at least, uh, had, had any uh, you know, semblance of worry and anxiety the way that they do today. You know, and gosh, how can you not? I mean, you, you look at the world we live in today, there's a lot to worry about, isn't there? I mean, we really are living under constant threat of terrorist attack. There, there is. We actually, you know, there's a scale. You can, you can find out what the, what the threat alert is for today. Is it yellow or is it orange? Is it orange or is it red? Is it high or is it low? There's a, uh, you know, a, a whole spectrum of scale that they tell us what the, the, 
the potential for threat is on this particular day. Um, in addition to that, of course, we mentioned the, the economy. And, and, and we live today in, you can call it whatever you want, whether it's an economic downturn, depression, recession. You can frame it however you want. It's unprecedented in any of our lifetimes. Has anybody, did anybody here live through the Great Depression? Mom did, a little bit. So the rest of us, it's unprecedented in our lifetimes, okay? Uh, we have never seen anything like this before, and it causes anxiety to rise up in our hearts. There's no way that it can. Here's one. I, I talked to a guy. I met an interesting guy a couple years ago, a guy named uh, Hunter Lundy, I think. He's a, he's, a, he's a character out of a John Grisham novel is what he is. He's actually a Louisiana attorney, and he has the slick back hair and the accent to prove it. But this guy is, is part of a team, uh, a group of attorneys that even right now as we speak is preparing a class, class action lawsuit against the cell phone companies because he says that they have evidence, they've proven that holding the cell phone up to your head, that they, ha they, they know and, and that the cell phone companies know that it will cause what's called myeloblastoma, which is a form of brain cancer, and that they're keeping that information from the general public so that they continue to sell service to cell phones. And this is what he told me. This, I, mean, the guy, I never met the guy before. We're, si we're sitting talking, and, and he says, yeah, we've, we've done studies after studies after studies. Here's the thing we found out. He goes, we don't know why this is, but we found that it's, uh, it shows up a lot in female real estate agents. My wife, of course, is a real estate agent. Uh, I said, I know why, because they're on the phone all day long. That's all I used to phone. I called to go, put your headset on right now. Um, so, you know, if it's not that, it's something else. There's always, there's the fear of pandemic. You know, every, every so often, every year or two years, there's another pandemic. It's bird flu, swine flu, monkey flu, dog flu, I don't know. They're all out there. I read this week, this week in the news, that the West Nile virus is on the rise in several western states. So you're just sitting out on the deck having a nice evening, you get bit by mosquitoes, it's all over. I mean, if that's not enough, there's, you know, threat of nuclear war. How many countries are there out there now that have nuclear weapons, and how many of them don't like us? You know, the numbers are the same. Um, natural disasters. So, you know, there's earthquakes and, and there's uh, tsunamis and there's hurricanes and there's forest fires. There's all, all this stuff, you know, global warming, whether you believe in it or not. You know, I mean, it's just something to worry about. That's the big picture. And then you kind of bring it home and you get personal. You go, well, what, you know, my life. What about my spouse, my family, my kids? Are my kids going to be okay? Are they going to grow up and become axe murderers? What's, you know, what, what's that going to be like? What about my job? I've worked at the same company for 40 years. Am I going to go in tomorrow and have them say, sorry, we're going to have to let you go? That's a reality in the, that we live in today. And, and, and all that's going on. We worry, you know, sometimes we worry about silly things. We worry about getting older, don't we? Our culture is obsessed with aging. You know, oh, I get wrinkles. I got to do something to get my wrinkles. I don't want to look old. Um, I like looking old personally. I just, it's just, it's just, it's the greatest excuse. I'm just too old for that. You can use it for anything. Um, there's, you know, documentaries come out every three weeks. There's hormones and steroids and poison in the food we eat, the water we drink, the air we breathe. It's, it's everywhere. Um, you get the point. There's a, there's a lot of things to worry about. There's a lot to worry about in the world we live in today. And Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. He, he I love this. 
Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? In case you're not aware, that's a rhetorical question. Um, The answer is, none of you. You can't add an hour to your life by worrying. But here's the thing. Conversely, we could say this, though, that all of you, all of you can subtract time off of your life by worrying. We can, we can, we can take time off, we can shave time off of our lifespan by worrying. The same uh, Anxiety and Depression Association of America website that I showed you a minute ago, there's another statistic further down the page that wasn't up there. Doctors estimate that as much as 90% of the illnesses, the physical ailments, physical manifestations in our bodies that we seek medical treatment for today are stress-related. 90% are stress-related. People today are literally, literally worrying themselves to death. You know that we, uh, you, know you're, you know you were created with a safety valve? Did you know that? You were created with a safety valve. Uh, we call this, in, in you know, our co- kind of common language, the fight-or-flight mechanism. You heard of that before? Right, you know what that is? The way that works is this. Your, your, your brain, you, you sense a threat. There's a threat. Something is coming at you. There's, a, there's an immediate, imminent danger. Your brain says, danger, 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 and, and it sends signals to your body. And your body responds immediately to that threat. And, and different glands release adrenaline and other chemicals through your body, and your, your awareness is heightened, your, your uh, reaction time is heightened, your muscles tense, and you're immediately able to respond to that immediate threat. You make a decision. Uh, do I run or do I fight? Do I fight or flight? What do I do to best counteract the threat that's coming against me right now? But here, that was intended by God. It's created in us to, to be a, a safety valve. It's a, it's a mechanism designed to help you in, in a rare crisis, in, in a moment, uh, uh, you know, a short-term emergency crisis situation. It's a reaction that happens when, when those threats come. But, but here's the thing. In the world that we live in today, so many people are so stressed and so anxious so much of the time that that same mechanism is kicking off all the time, and those chemicals are going through your body all the time. And, 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 and they were not designed that way. They were designed to help us in those moments of crisis. But, but there's those, the, that adrenaline, those things are surging through our bodies all the time. That's why we don't sleep at night. That, that's why we can't rest. That's why there's no peace in our hearts, and we just worry and we worry and we worry. So that's the, that's, okay, the quantity of life. We're worrying ourselves to death. But think about the quality of life for a minute. God has promised us the shalom of God, peace in our hearts. He's, he's promised us a joy beyond understanding in our lives. There should be a sense of, of well-being, a sense of peace, a, a sense of gratitude and, and, and fulfillment in our hearts that most of us have a difficult time getting a hold of, even, even for a short period of time. When we're under the sort of stress that a lot of us live under, when we worry about the things that we worry about, when we, go, when we panic and, and we're, we're just sort of feeling that stress and that anxiety all the time, it's impossible to live in that place. And, and not only is the quantity, but the quality of our life is really greatly diminished by the, by the stress and anxiety we feel. So, so here, here's the deal. This is what I want to do. I'm going to give you three practical tips, three ideas 
that will help you uh, deal with worry in your life. Those are from me. Um, you know, I, I think they're okay. They're pretty good ideas. They probably won't really change your life. Um, but then, then I want to look at what Jesus has to say about worry. And that is on a different level altogether. Though it's not a practical tip. It really is a, a potentially life-changing strategy to deal with anxiety and worry in your life. So, so first of all, here's my three tips. Practically speaking, three things you can do to help with worry. First one is get medical help if you need it. Um, look, if, if you are prone to anxiety or, or depression or if, if you're overcome with worry, um, really, honestly, if you need help with that, if you need to see a, a doctor, a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, if you need therapy, if you need medicine, I, I encourage you to do that, to, to, to seek that help out. And, and here, I'm going to say this. Also, you should get prayer. Now, I shouldn't feel like I shouldn't have to say that. I feel like that should be assumed. But I don't know if it is in this particular situation. And, and here's the reason. I think that we're sometimes a little bit afraid, a little bit embarrassed, a little bit ashamed to acknowledge these things. But let me tell you, that's, this is the whole point. This is why we're here. This is what this is all about. We, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who are mourned. And if you're struggling right now, if, you're, if, there's, if there's worry in your life, if there's things that are making you anxious, if things are keeping you awake at night, please, please, please get with somebody and have them pray with you. That's why we're here. See, in the vineyard, we believe in healing. Did you guys know that? Thank you. We believe in healing. We believe God heals people. And, and, and He can heal through a variety of means. He can heal through prayer. So get prayer. But He also, and, and this, again, our, our philosophy is that, that God can heal through the medical community. And we thank Him for the medical community. And I really, really do encourage you, if you need to see a doctor, you need, you need help in that way, to please don't be ashamed and don't be embarrassed about that. Go, go do it. Here, here's the thing. Look, we live in a fallen world. And in a fallen world, Things don't work the way they're supposed to. It's just that simple. They don't always work the way they're supposed to, and we need help. And so if you, if you, if you need medical attention, do that. S- seek it out. Um, okay? That's that. Don't be ashamed of that. S- second thing, you're going to love this. Watch less news. Uh, look. We're all wired a little bit differently, okay? Everybody's different. But if, if I, think this, I think everybody should do that. But if you are someone who is prone to anxiety, if you have a tendency to worry about things, for God's sakes, just say no. Turn it off. Turn the, turn the computer off. Turn the TV off. Turn the radio off. Read a book. Listen to some music. Go for a walk. Just don't watch the news, all right? Don't watch the news. Look, we, this, we live, by and large, America is a safe place to live. It is. It's a safe place. Probably one of the safest places in the world, probably one of the safest places ever in history in the world. But that's no guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen. It's not. Bad things can happen. If I guarantee, here, I'll tell you this. I will prophesy right now. The next time there's an earthquake anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, the next day on the local Portland news, there are going to be reports about how we're due for the big one. 
We're overdue. We're supposed to have a big earthquake here. And you will hear about the tectonic plates, I guarantee. I guarantee this report will come up. You can recycle. You can push a button. Every time there's an earthquake, they'll talk about it. The bridges, the tectonic plates. Oh, yeah. It could happen. They're not just making that up. It could ha- we could have an earthquake. It could happen tonight. You know, you go to bed tonight, you wake up. like It could happen. You know, I was getting about Paul. Paul could go surfing tomorrow. What if he goes surfing tomorrow? He'd, oh, it's beautiful day, check their surf report, there's waves, goes to the beach, paddling out, gets eaten by a great white shark. It could happen. happen. I'm sorry. I don't think it'll happen. It probably won't happen. There's probably like a 1 in 40 million chance it'll happen, but it could. Bad things might happen. The same thing happens every year. Every year when we go to, the kids go to Mexico at spring break, and every year people say, is it safe? Is it safe to go there? And that's a, that's a legitimate question. It's a valid question. Bad things happen. And, and, and this is what I have to tell them, and this is the point, is that, you know, to the best of my knowledge, it's safe. As far as I know, the, the route we're taking, the place we're going, the plans that we have, things will be safe. But I can't guarantee that. I can't guarantee that nothing bad will happen because that's the world that we live in. So, it, it, something, something might happen. But the chances are slim. The chances are, 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 are very slim. I, I, I really, I, I can't say the next time Paul goes surfing, he won't get eaten by a great white shark, but I don't think he will. I don't think, I think there's a very, very small chance that that will happen. It, yeah, yeah it, you're welcome. But here's the thing. We feel, we feel unsafe, don't we? We, we feel unsafe. And this is why we feel unsafe. A hundred years ago, it's not that long, history of the world, 100 years. 100 years ago, the, the only disaster that anyone ever experienced was the one that happened to them. If, if disease, you know, came into your city or your, your village or your area and a lot of people got sick and people died, you knew about that. You experienced it. You lived through it. But if it happened somewhere else in the world, you didn't know about that. If, if, if your village had an earthquake and, 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 and people were injured or killed or buildings collapsed, you knew about that. But if it happened in the other part of the world, you didn't even know about that. You might hear about it later. Um, somebody say, oh, did you hear there was a big earthquake in Germany? Really? Yeah, it was like eight weeks ago. Really? What happened? Oh, some people died. It was really bad, but I, I guess they're rebuilding there now. I, I, I don't know. And it doesn't have that same level of impact. It's just you o- the only disasters that anyone ever really experienced were the things that happened to them. Today, now, we know everything. We know everything. We know everything. And we know it immediately. I'm, I mean, you guys know that. We live in this connected world, but, but really, here, Twitter, t- with Twitter, News breaks immediately because whenever something happens, somebody's there, and they send it out. I like it because I'm a sports fan, and so you know. If there's a trade happening, I know it. I mean, I, I knew Dwight Howard was getting Lakers before he knew he was getting traded to the Lakers because it's out there. But, but we, we know everything. We know everything that the second that it happens, and, and, and here's the thing. Not only do we know it, and this is really the part that makes it even, I think, more powerful in terms of the ability to raise stress levels in our life. We see it. We don't just hear about it. We see the images. We see the blood. We see the bodies. We see the destruction. It's all right there all the time. It's there all the time. It, it's on your phone. It's on your phone. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, my, my adult lifetime, in my adult lifetime, the idea 
that everyone would carry a telephone around with them in their pocket was absurd. Today, you carry the whole world around your pocket. You have the whole world in your pocket. And, and, and here, this is why I'm going into all this, is that our minds, our hearts, our spirits were not created to sustain that, to be able to handle that. We, you know that here, did you know that after, after 9-11 happened, and, and you guys remember this, that the news coverage was wall-to-wall. It was, it was on every station, every network, all day, all night. And, and most of us were glued to it. I was. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you had the, the wisdom to turn it off. But most of us were glued to it because it was unprecedented. So an unprecedented thing had happened in our world. And it was frightening. And we watched it, and we watched it, and we watched it. And we saw the images, and we saw the planes fly into the building. We saw the towers collapse. We saw the people running away, covered in ashes, and we saw it over and over and over and over again. And, and, and here's the thing. Did you know that in the months and years immediately following that, that thousands and thousands of people had to go into therapy for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? Not people that were there, not people that lived in New York, not people that had friends or family who were killed, people who watched it on television in Iowa and Kansas and Texas and California because their bodies, their minds couldn't disconnect. It, they'd seen it so many times. It was just as if it had happened to them. See, that when we see those images, they're locked in our minds. They get locked in. That's why things like pornography are so devastating because they're locked in your mind and they stay with you. And you, it's, it's so, so hard to disconnect from those things. And when disasters and things like that happen and we, we see those, those images, here's what happens. Here's what happens. That fight-or-flight mechanism in our bodies kicks in because there's a threat. And when that kicks in, it's there for a reason. It's to tell you to do something. You're supposed to either fight or run. But when you're watching it on TV, you can't do anything. You just watch it. You know that that, that adrenaline that surges through your body, it, it stays with you for 18 minutes. That's why when you're under threat like that, something happens, uh, and then it's over. And 15 minutes later, your heart's still racing. You know what I'm talking about? Because those chemicals are still sitting in your body. And when that happens day after day after day after day, it just becomes overwhelming. And we live in a constant state of anxiety and stress and worry. Now, so, like, simply here, uh, turn it off. Turn it off. Watch less news. You, you can do something. You can do something. And here's the thing, and I know you guys know this, and, and I know many of you do this. You can pray. You can pray in those moments. And I encourage you, if you do watch the news, if you hear a report where a disaster or something like this happens, Pray for those people. Pray for the people involved. Pr pray for the situation. Pray for those that, that are, you know, involved in, in helping that situation. You know, you, you, you pray for that. You do, we should all do that. That's compassion. That's our hearts. We, we do that. And, and sometimes when you pray, you'll be moved to do something more. There might be, God might speak to you and say, hey, I, I want you to, you know, to, to, to get involved in this. And maybe, maybe God moves you to give something towards that. Maybe God moves you to go. You know, after Hurricane Katrina happened, Dozens and dozens of agencies 
rose up and went to, to Louisiana. And some of you went, different people all over. Vineyard churches, the Vineyard Church in Louisiana became the headquarters, the base for relief agencies coming in to help people there. It really did. And, and I know hundreds and thousands of Vineyard people across the country that, that went there and served and helped out. And maybe that happens. Maybe you see something and God puts on your heart and says, hey, I want, you know, there may, there's a cause. You go, hey, I'm, I should give some money to that. You give a little bit of money. Or maybe you move to go. You give or you go, whatever you do. But here's the thing. I'm going to say this. And you, I think you guys know me well enough to know I, I'm a compassionate person by nature. After you do what God's called you to do, you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. Because you cannot carry that weight. You cannot shoulder that. You're not God. You're not Jesus. Jesus can carry it. He's shoulders. He can carry it. You cannot. And you have to be willing to disconnect and to let it go. Okay, so that's number two. Number three real quick. Put off worry. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever, you can't sleep at night because you're thinking about something you got to do tomorrow and it's bugging you. It's driving you crazy. So you get up and you write it down and then you're fine. How many of you there that happened? Yeah. Okay. I, I do that. I can't stop thinking about something, but if I write it down, I'm okay. Because then I know, okay, I'll remember this. It's not going to get forgotten. It's right there. I'll see it. I'm, so once I write it down, I'm okay, and I'm fine. So here's what I want you to do. This is it. If you have things that are bothering you, you you're worried about them, you're anxious about this, I want you to get a pad, get a notebook, whatever, make a list, and I want you to title it, Things I'll Worry About Later. And then just write them down. I'm serious. Write them down, and, and then worry about them later. And when you get your list out, look at it, and you go, oh, I'm supposed to worry about this later. But it's not later. It's now, now. So I'll worry about it later. That's a great plan. Okay, I told you these were just ideas. They wouldn't change your life. But um, Jesus deals with worry on a whole different level. Jesus does, these are sort of coping mechanisms that help us, you know, sort of detour anxiety in our life. Jesus doesn't want us to cope. He, he really wants us to be completely free of it. Jesus is not giving us a, you know, tips on how to live a healthier, happier life. And, and I really think that's the problem, is that we approach Jesus on that level. We want Jesus to give us tips on how to live a healthier, happier life. And here's how I know that. And I'm going to say this, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it, it's one of my beliefs. I like to study the Bible. I really do. I enjoy it. It's fun. And, and I, I use reference books to do that, commentaries, other books. Sometimes I'll uh, read a book, and that book will refer to another book, or maybe I'll tell somebody I'm studying this, you know, this passage, that, but oh, here's a great commentary, get this. And I go into any of the local Christian bookstores, sometimes called Bible bookstores, and I'll ask, hey, do you have this particular reference book? And they'll say, let me look. Uh, no, we don't have that. We can get it for you. It'll take six to eight weeks. And I go, where is your reference section? They go, well, it's over there in the corner. And there's about nine books in the Bible reference section in the Bible bookstore. Uh, but as I turn to leave, I happen to notice a section called self-help. And in the self-help section, there's like nine rows of books. A- and I realize at that moment that, that really there's a, th- those books are there because people read them. There's a lot of people who are really looking to Jesus as some sort of a self-help guru to give them tips on how to live a healthier, happier life. But here's the deal. Jesus is not Deepak Chopra. Jesus is not Tony Robbins. Thank God. Jesus is not 
purposed, his, his motivation, his purpose, his intent is not to give us tips on how to live a healthier, happier life. His motivation is what we said that therefore was therefore in the very beginning. His purpose is to teach us to be authentic kingdom people. His, his purpose is to teach us to be real spiritual people, people over whom God reigns and rules in their lives. And, and here's the thing. When that happens, you will be healthier and happy people and a lot of other stuff too. That's why Jesus says, seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. But here's the deal. If you, if you seek the kingdom, God will give you those things as well. But if you seek those things, what happens is you, you miss the kingdom and, and very likely you miss everything that you're looking for anyway and it just doesn't happen. See, the target is the kingdom of God. And he says to seek first the kingdom of God. If we get that, we get the other stuff with us. But if we seek those things, we miss it all. I want to look at the illustrations that he uses for a minute here. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. They don't worry. They don't store up food for the winter. God feeds them, right? Except sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes birds starve, right? It freezes. It gets cold and it snows and there's no food. Or there's a drought and everything dries up and the birds don't have anything to eat. Birds starve. They don't eat. Sometimes they're not taken care of. Maybe this happens. Dead blackbirds fall from the sky again in B.B. Arkansas on New Year's Eve. Dozens of dead blackbirds have fallen from the sky over a small Arkansas town for the second year in a row. That the town of BB has seen this before, however, doesn't make the death of dozens of birds any less odd, maybe even more so. ABC Arkansas affiliate KATV reported that a radar image showed a large mass over BB a few hours before midnight Saturday, and then the birds began falling from the sky, just like last year. Emily Nichols, a police dispatcher in BB, told ABC Radio that she received multiple calls. Just that blackbirds are falling again, and they found blackbirds on their streets where they live or at churches, Nichols said. Sometimes God doesn't take care of them. Sometimes they starve or they die or they fall from the sky. They become roadkill. If they're, if they're at my house, they get hit by lightning and knocked out of a tree. It's happened. Roasted bird on my yard. Oh, what about the flowers? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass, the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Even Jesus says here, hey, look at the flowers are beautiful. They're clothed. Solomon, with all his glory, all his splendor, he couldn't, he couldn't outdo them. But even Jesus says here, but to, to, they're here today, gone tomorrow. They're thrown in the fire and burned up. Birds die, they starve. Flowers die, they're burned up. We have, Donna planted a bunch of hanging baskets on our deck. It's beautiful, beautiful flowers. But, you know, in this heat we've been having, if you don't water them, one day, gone. Dust, over. You have to water. One day. One day they're gone. Does this confuse you at all? Do the illustrations that Jesus uses confuse the birds and the flowers when he says that we should be like them, and yet the truth is, at the end of the day, some of them don't have such a great ending. 
I think the reason is that Jesus has an agenda that we don't have, or we think he has an agenda that he doesn't have. He's not Deepak Chopra. He's not Tony Robbins. Jesus has a kingdom agenda. Jesus' agenda, see, we think this. I think sometimes we think Jesus is this self-help guru telling us how to live a healthier, happier life, and he wants to lift the stress off of us so that we're worry-free, you know, and everything is perfectly well right now, today, in this world. And that's not what he's trying to do. That's not what he's trying to tell us at all. Um, look, Jesus is a smart guy. Jesus know birds die. Je- Jesus know flies die. Je- Jesus knows that in the previous passage, and I said we'd go back later, he knows that the farmer who was being responsible and storing up grain in his barn could die that very night. In fact, he calls him a fool. He knows that there are kingdom people out there who serve God with their whole heart and their whole life and give everything they have to him and and, and serve him faithfully throughout their life, and they starve, and they go naked, and they get beaten, and they die. (coughs) Just prior to this passage, if you read the chapter, Jesus talks about those that love him who will be persecuted. He knows that happens. Jesus knows bad things happen to good people, just like bad things happen to birds and bad things happen to farmers. He's really not trying to give us security on that basis at all. This is the point. This is the punchline. That the birds and the flowers live in the moment, in the reign of God, in the kingdom of God. They live fully because they're able to live fully because they don't worry about dying. They don't worry about provision. They don't worry about those things. Jesus isn't promising us security or even safety or even happiness or health or any of those things. He's telling us live fully in the moment. Live in the presence of God. Live in the kingdom of God. Live in the power of God. Don't worry about preserving your life. Don't don't worry about what you have or don't have. Don't worry about staying young. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Don't store up treasures in this life. Trust Him. Trust Him to meet those needs in your life. And you know what? If it turns out that that doesn't work out and you starve, it's okay. It's okay. It's, It's okay because you are much more valuable than the birds. The point isn't that the flowers or the birds will always have everything they need. The point is that they're carefree and they don't worry about it because they're in the presence of God. Now, the difference between us and the flowers and the birds, in case you haven't figured it out yet, is that we have the capacity to worry, and they don't. We can worry. We can put our hearts, and this is the point of Jesus' teaching, we can put our hearts and our treasure into other things that can fail, can rust, that moths can eat, that thieves can steal. If our treasure is there, our hearts will be there too. If your treasure is in something, your heart will be there too. And if your heart is in something, let me tell you, you can't not worry about it. Because we know instinctively, somewhere deep inside of us, that those things can be taken away. And we worry about it. 
Jesus isn't saying to us, don't worry because these things can't happen to you. He's saying, don't worry because these things can happen to you, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If that's not where your treasure is, then it doesn't matter. Let go of those things. Let go of those things and, 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 and just have, don't make them your treasure. Just have only one treasure, the kingdom of God. If, if, you, if you have the kingdom of God as your treasure, then you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. That's why he says you can go give, give everything you have. Give everything you have to the poor. It doesn't matter. You don't need that stuff anyway. Just give it away. It doesn't matter. If, if your treasure is the kingdom of God, you don't worry about it. Why? Because nobody can take that away. The, it, it can't fail. It can't rust. Moths can't eat it. Thieves can't steal it. Nuclear weapons can't bomb it. Terrorists can't attack it. Bird flu can't kill it. Nobody can take that away from you. And if your treasure is the kingdom of God, you don't need to worry about all those things because God's kingdom reigns forever and ever and ever. Amen. Would you guys stand? And Jess, would you come up? We have two minutes, and I want to pray for you. I want you right now to do me a favor. <coughs> I want you to... Um, Think about for a moment, dial up, maybe if there's things you're worried about. I think there's some of you who have financial stress in your life and you're worried about money and the economy. I, I think there's others who are worried about relational issues. Some of you are worried about other people, your family, your kids. Would you close your eyes and just kind of get into God's presence for a minute and... and uh, I want to pray over you. Lord, I ask uh, that your kingdom would come. That your reign would come upon us and be real in our lives tonight. That you would touch uh, those places deep inside of us that we're anxious about. Pray, Lord God, that you would meet us at the point of our deepest fears and our anxiety. I pray that you would cause your kingdom to reign in our hearts and that you would allow us to release that concern to you tonight. That your spirit, Lord, would move upon us in such a way that we would release that worry to you. That those things, Lord, if there's anybody here who's put their heart, their treasure in something else, that they would give those things over to you tonight. That the only treasure we have, that our hearts would be so fully to you and your kingdom. So let your kingdom come now. Let your will be done.